the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Just a few personal comments on this hymn. Uh, whenever I sing it, uh, I think of a friend, a pastor friend of mine who died it's 20 years ago, Susan. It's 20 years. Uh, pastor Scott Marincic. Uh, he all, when he was, uh, he was converted into Lutheranism, and he thought this hymn was about his heritage. He was Croatian. And if you, um, in the TLH version, uh, the later printings, when it came to creation, the little line wasn't there, and so it looked like crow, create creation. <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled out one. So what does it, what does it look like there? First, uh, stand. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like Croatia, <laughs> the god of all Croatians. <laughs> And all. So every, I, I think of this hymn every time we sing it. I think of uh, Pastor Marincic um, and, uh, and all. He was a master of the pun, uh, and uh, we truly uh, miss him, and a good theologian. And all. But yeah, just as a personal. So every time, like sometimes bring, like this year, every time I sing, it's like a little tear to my eye because it's 20 years. He was 40 years, 40 years old and uh, left a widow and two daughters. And uh, they're doing well now, but uh, still... Um, Hard at times. Okay. Um, uh, the verse of the week. And uh, boy, Mark, I think you have an occupation here. I mean, look at that printing. Wow. <laughs> okay, we'll speak the verse together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. Um, this is a portion of the epistle reading, uh, but I wanted, uh, as I mentioned, the, how does Paul bring like this, these words to life and to memory so that we can remember them? And if, uh, he uses parallelism here. You have the wages of sin. And what is that parallel to? It's parallel to the gift of God. And then you have the word death. And what is that parallel to? Eternal life. So there's a, the use of parallelism helps uh, to uh, bring, you know, help us to remember. Uh, and that's why hymnody is easy because there's rhyming and things like that. But there's parallelism here to help us uh, remember it is the, the contrast. It brings forth the contrast. For the wages of sin is what? The free gift or the gift of God is eternal life. And so we have that. And where is that eternal life? It's not just abstract. It's in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, So 
in this parallel, what happens if you remove the wages of sin? What, do you, what happens, if, what else is removed? Death. 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 Or another word, forgiven. So when you have, so if you say, okay, the wages of sin is death. Well, the sin's been forgiven. That means there's no death. And this is why, um, you know, I think Pastor brought this to my attention years back. Why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? Because he defeated sin. If you defeat sin, you defeat death. So he, the necessity of the resurrection, it wasn't just, oh, I died for the sins. Well, well, I go back on it. No, it's an absolute necessity that with the wages of sin uh, being removed or forgiven, death then is defeated. There's no more death. And then what does that leave for us here? It's the gift of God and it's eternal life. And what is a gift, Lydia? What's a gift? Do you ever get gifts? You do, Talitha, do you get gifts? Yeah. And someone gives you something. You have to pay them for it? Give them money? If they give you a gift? Do anything? Or they just give you a gift? They just give you a gift, right? That's a nice thing about gifts. People just give them because they want to give them. And so eternal life then is speak, spoken as a gift from whom? Who's a gift from? Talitha, gift of God. God is the giver of this gift. And uh, so we have here uh, the giver of the gift and through whom he gives the gift is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Any questions on this text or additional thoughts? Or, like, let's speak it again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. Well, I did want to point out this word for gift. It's not the usual Greek word for gift. It's, it's a charisma. Charismatic? It's a, it's a, not, not used as frequently uh, as the other word for gift. So um, it's a... Uh, very much a distinctness of the gift there that's given. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to uh, our text for today. First Kings. Oh. It, it, it's uh, just, a, a, uh, there's an energy behind it. It's not just, it's an innervating, you know, enlivens, an enlivening gift. It's not just a gift, but there's um, uh, more behind it, you know, just, it's... It's something to do with the Holy Spirit, then? Yeah, well, it goes back to the, the okay. gift of the Spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Charisma is there. Like a nice mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's just a distinctness, and I, I think the quick comment there is about uh, the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the charisma okay. uh, that there. Because uh, the usual gift, a uh, word for gift is Dora, which they give Dorothy, you ever read Dorothy? That's Dorotheus, which is gift of God. So if you ever, that's what Doro usually is the use of the word for gift in Greek. My wife had her hand up first, Pastor Bailey. I think the comment on the verse, that verse says that the evolution did not happen in the first yep. I mean, it's, it's a theological verse, mm -hmm. Scripture speaks of the, the theology of creation uh, and the cross, forgiveness of sins, sin and death, is very much against evolution. Because what's the point of evolution? Death. 
Everything's improving and getting better. Yeah, but it has to be this going upward and, and all. There's always, but whereas creation starts here and sin brings us down and there's death because of sin, but there's always this uh, movement toward improvement uh, better, you know. Well, we hope there's a little evolution from you and your daughters. There's a little improvement there, okay? <laughs> yes. 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 Did you hear her comment that before in evolution, man came along much later, there had to be all this dying before there was man, whereas man was the sum of creation, as we heard in the Old Testament uh, account. Mm -hmm. And without atonement, there, there is no defeat Right, there, there, there's the, oh, well, there's the two parts of it. The justification is the, the sacrifice for the sin, but it's also the obedience to the law. There's the two parts that we have that are there. But that is how he, the wages uh, that are paid for uh, is what was earned. You know, you earn it as a soldier's salary here in this text, um, payment for service renders, you know, and there's many of you are, are retired now, but there's some of you that still work, you know, <laughs> and you get your wages, you know, from your employer for the work that you do for them. And the same, the uh, sin is our due wages. That's what we've earned is death because of what we've done. Okay. Any other comments, questions? Yes, Pastor Bailey. Remember the old term for baptism was christening. Yes. Well, in, in the non uh, sacramental, like Methodism, and they use the term christening more than, but yeah, the old church they would call baptism and they would call the naming, you know, the naming of, and it's Christ's naming. It's not just giving the name to the child, it's you're given Christ's name. And that's where they lost, they've lost a lot of that. Because uh, in baptism, we are given Christ, we are baptized into Christ, so that God does not see us, He sees Christ. We are given Christ's name in our baptism. Okay, so first kings in our text today. First Kings 16. Elijah. Or Elias. It's the Greek form of it, um, of that word. Elijah. Elijah has so many good stories. And then Elisha has some good ones too, but Elijah, uh, his stories are just so powerful and they're also pointing ahead to Christ and his work. So 1 Kings chapter 16. And we're going to place Elijah in history. Where does his ministry take place? Not your ministry. Okay, okay. You got work to do. Okay. Okay, your mom will tell you what we're doing, your dad, they'll give you what stuff to do. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. So Asa is in the southern kingdom, the line of descent from David to Solomon, Rehoboam, and the like. Uh, and then you have Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over the northern kingdom. 
And he's not a descendant of Jer- uh, Jeroboam who, who uh, split off. They had an, a rebellion and a new, a new uh, king came into place uh, there. The son of Omri ruled over, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And it came to pass, oh, and now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And I love what the author writes here, more than all who were before him. I mean, this is, he's pretty bad, what, what he did uh, in, in all. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing uh, for him, trivial, he didn't really care, to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, I remember that name, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hael of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. We'll get to this. Um, This wooden image that it's speaking of here uh, is the Asherah. And for Baal worship, Baal was the male fertility god, Asherah the female. So you have to have both. They're very... they're very sexually oriented. That's how these gods were. And that's what the religion was basically. When they talked about going to temple, it was just like they were going to that little brothel down the street. I mean, that's how it, it was part of their worship was very much uh, in that light. Uh, so, uh, so not only did he set up the Baal, he set up the Asherah uh, in, uh, in Samaria. So... Do you remember what Jeroboam did? He wanted the people not to go to Jerusalem, so he set up the temp high places in Israel um, and in the northern portion of the kingdom. And now, not only, uh, and supposedly to for the Lord, but you know, it was false worship. But, uh, but he, uh, but now we have uh, here uh, Ahab setting up uh, the, uh, the female, the Baal, and uh, Asherah as the form. This is your God who they're going to worship. Then who did he uh, take as wife? Jezebel. Okay, for those familiar, how many think it's, have a positive reflections of Jezebel? And I want to name your daughter Jezebel. I tried, my wife said no. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, Jezebel is just kind of that that, um, you know, okay, if you want to know about a wicked, you know, uh, usurping a woman who just was bad. Now, the thing is, later, there's a, one of her descendants even outdoes her. A grand, either, or kind of either a daughter or granddaughter, depending on how you look at it. Athaliah, in the southern kingdom, that um, one of the sins of the southern kingdom was that uh, the king made alliances with the northern king and 
And you've, you read old stories. How do kings usually seal alliances between their two kingdoms? Marriage. Marriage, you know, son, daughter, marry, and then they get them. Well, they did that, and this Athaliah came in uh, as queen of the southern kingdom. And so you have Jezebel as, had been queen in the north, and then her granddaughter or daughter comes into play as queen of, of uh, the south. And what she does is... Uh, when her son dies, sons die. Her, okay, her son killed his brothers to assert his... I mean, this is really good. I mean, you know, intrigue. To, to make, assert his claim on the throne. You know, so he didn't want any uh, rival. So he killed... But he lived. And then uh, when he died with the, um, uh, the king of Israel in battle, Athaliah decided she wanted to take charge. And in order for her to take charge, she had to destroy her own family. So she had her own grandsons killed. So how, I'm, your grandma may want to take you out to the woodshed, but she's not going to do that, right? <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, and, and not only that, she, she took care of her line on her, on, on Omri, who is, um, Ahab. So she, uh, all the, so Omri. She was from the line of Omri through Ahab, and so she wanted to take care of them. She didn't want any rival claimants to the throne, and this is where Johash was uh, secreted to by the priests and hidden for six years and all. So this Jezebel was bad. I mean, and this Athaliah was just right up there. With, I think it's a competition. Sound like who could be the worst? But Jezebel um, was uh, has. Very bad name, a bad connotation of uh, conspiring in sin. And notice in verse 31, I, this is uh, the translation I think it really brings out. It came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jericho. It's like, it didn't matter. What, you know, you look in your life, what are some trivial things? You know, um, if the fork is on the right side or the left side of the plate. Now, I know some of you might get upset, you know, if it's on the wrong side, but is it, it's rather trivial, you know, um, and things that, you know, whether you come down uh, south off Maple or north, you decide it's tr it doesn't matter. Those trivial things just don't really affect life. You know, you know I've, my neighbor's dog comes in our yard and does his business. It, it, it's... Annoying, but it, in the scheme of things, it's trivial, you know, of the whole life things. And this is kind of how uh, Jero, uh, Ahab viewed the things of God and what he was doing. It doesn't really matter, you know. And but you look at our society; how many people are very flippant about Christianity in the church? Ah, it doesn't really matter. And so, what do we have in our society? Uh, some article popped up about some. Uh, how certain colleges are very open and accepting of uh, people of, they call themselves transgender uh, and homosexuality, and they, they um, do this. And that's how far our society's gone, that, we've tr that who we are created in God's image. We are male and female, and society and the world has just made that trivial. It doesn't really matter. It, well, if you want to be this or that, it doesn't matter, and yet it's important. And so here we have Ahab doing this. He, the things he walked in the sins of this of Jeroboam, 
it's as if it wasn't a big deal. Um, and so Jeze uh, Ahab sealed a deal with Ethbaal and took Jezebel's wife. Uh, he set up the altars, wooden images, and the like. Now back down to verse 34. Uh, this is kind of just setting up what was going on in Ahab's reign. Um, what's significant about what, uh, what did Hael or Hel believe or not believe? He didn't believe what? The word of God was true. Do you remember what uh, Joshua said at, when they destroyed Jericho? Remember they walked around, all that, and the prophecy was that this will never be rebuilt, and if it is, when its foundation is laid, the first son will die, and on the, it's opening, putting up the gates, the last son, the youngest son, will die. And so what do we see here as there's a rejection of the word of God? going on. Okay, this is the rejection of the word of God. And so, uh, Hael uh, didn't believe it. And so what does he decide to do? I mean, Jericho's near the Jordan, very, you know, right on the way to Jerusalem, a very, uh, probably very high uh, trafficked area. He decides he's going to rebuild Jericho. And he doesn't believe anything's going to happen. So his first son dies when he lays the foundation? Does he stop? No. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, uh, who the son is uh, Sugub or Sagub? Uh, <laughs> if he believed the word, he'd be pretty afraid. <laughs> what are you doing, you know? And uh, Hael didn't believe it. He did not believe the word of God. And so this is what we're seeing. They're turning, that statement is just not about historical, you know, this is what happened. But it's an indication of what's going on in the land. People are turning away from the word of God. Okay. And uh, so if people are turning away from the word of God, what does God then do? Well, if a prophecy comes, but what's the next thing that happens? In the text, we go to verse chapter 17. He sends a prophet to speak his word. And this is, so they forsook the word of the Lord, but the Lord is faithful. Remember that. He is faithful, and he will bring his word back, and he will preach it again and again to uh, his children that he had claimed from uh, bondage in Egypt. And so we have here, so that's just not a side note. I think it actually sets up what's coming afterwards uh, in this section. Any questions on uh, Ahab, Jezebel, and the like that are there. Any questions on that? Okay, so chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite. You're not a Tishbite, are you? No, okay. okay. Of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
So he went and did according to the word of the Lord and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Okay, so uh, Elijah speaks the word of judgment against Ahab. If you're going to forsake the word of the Lord, if you're going to forsake his worship, if you're going to set up these idols and the like, uh, here, you know, your turn, here is what's going to happen. And uh, notice that Elijah says, I stand before the Lord, you know, that, and I'm speaking his word to you. And, uh, and it's not, the rain's not going to return until Elijah says so. At, you know, he said, at my word. Accept my word, though that's what the Lord commanded him. And uh, why did Elijah go and why did the Lord send Elijah off into hiding? Protect him. Protect him. <laughs> that's a simple reason. Ahab was not a nice person. Let's just put that. He wasn't. I mean, Jezebel wasn't nice either, but she she took that to a new level. But Je, uh, Ahab uh, wasn't nice either, and he didn't like people. Uh, and you notice that with other prophets, that whenever they spoke words of judgment, the people got angry, even though it was God's word and they deserved that judgment. Philip. Also, an interesting point, because um, uh, God's word was that, you know, when Elijah was weak, the famine and the drought were dead. Well, God threw Elijah, but threw Elijah. So, okay, mm. I killed Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get this. And um, the brook Cherith, I tried to find it on a map, and the best I could find, so off the Jordan, it flows into the Jordan a little bit, about halfway between Jericho and the Sea of Galilee, and it goes into the, from the east, from what the best maps I could find. So it's, a, it's out there in the wilderness uh, on the um, east side of the Jordan and the like. And so he goes there, and the Lord bring, lets the birds feed him now, um, I don't know, I just don't get it. I mean, they're kind of dirty creatures <laughs> and all, but, um, but he let the ravens, and the, what, the raven is a dark bird sign of death, and yet from death he gets life. He gets the bread to feed and nourish him and sustain him during this time. And uh, then also the water from the brook. What is, does this kind of remind Elijah of? What does it bring him back to? The children of Israel in the wilderness. They were given bread from heaven. It was brought, given to them, and they had water in the desert. It was provided by the Lord. And so you have, so, um, so you have that imagery. So it's that Elijah can take comfort knowing that he is receiving the same care and protection that the children of Israel received in the wilderness. The Lord is... Uh, protecting him. I mean, the thing, you know, birds bringing you bread. I mean, birds like to take their own stuff and eat it. I mean, they don't, they're, like, they're not sharing this kind of creatures, but here they, the birds brought that to him, so, and he survived on that. And it eventually the brook did dry up. I mean, uh, the, the rain uh, was suspended, ceased, there's no dew, and after a while it dries up. And so he's going to have to go. And so, uh, any questions on verses 1 through 7? Here. Okay. 
Then we go down to verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Seraphah, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a, a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar, and see, I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So he went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So we have here, where does the Lord send Elijah? What, where, where is it located? Where is Zarephath located? It belongs to Sidon. Now, do you remember anything about who else was from Sidon? Jezebel. So he was now going into a foreign land uh, to a place where, you know, this Jezebel, you know, family was, and he was going to be preaching there. One of the the famine just didn't affect Israel. It affected the whole region. So you have to know that this wasn't so because she was, they were suffering uh, from this uh, drought uh, and famine as well. But yeah, so it's Zarephath and it's right in the Tyre and Sidon uh, area, right near the coast. Uh, but it's foreign land. Dwell there. Not just pass through, but go and stay there. Um, he tells him in verse 9. So he went to Zarephath and came to the gate, and there was a widow gathering sticks. And I was reading something, and they said probably it's not really sticks like we think. It's more like um, uh, straw, pieces of like this thing. Just, she was just finding random, like I'm a kindling, you know, just like things that get a fire started because uh, of the land. So it's, I, I go, I look how long my wife, when she makes bread, how long it takes to bake. I'm just, how few sticks is going <laughs> to... Go uh, for that um, to provide for the uh, the heat to cook uh, the uh, the flour and oil to make the bread, and he said, "Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink." Does that remind you of anything? Someone else asking a foreign woman for a drink of water. What? Samaritan woman. You know, another non-Jewish uh, person he, Jesus went to. So you, uh, you see in Elijah parallels to things that are going. So where did Jesus go after his baptism? The wilderness. And, he, and Satan came and what did he tempt him with? 
to turn rocks into bread. Okay, so we have, so you have this, uh, the, you see in Jesus the fulfillment of what's going on in the Old Testament. Uh, and Elijah survived totally by the work of God with providing the water and the, and the bread from the bird. How did Jesus survive in the wilderness? The word of his father and the promise to sustain him. And so we go, so it's just that goes back. And then we're in a wilderness. And what's the only thing that's really going to sustain us? You may like your pizza. I like pizza too, Elijah. But that's really not going to sustain us in this world. But what is it we need? The word of God to sustain us. And so we see this, uh, that um, we need, what Elijah needs. We need the word of God. And he goes to this widow uh, and um, give me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she says she doesn't. She says it's a handful of flour and a little oil. Uh, and I noticed she said that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. But if you notice later uh, in verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her, he and her household ate for many days. So it wasn't just, you know, they talk about the widow of Zarephath and her son and Elijah. It wasn't, that was, you know, maybe even more than the bros have in the house right now. You know, a household. I mean, they had, you know, we tend to think of households as one or two people, three people. And, but for uh, in that period of time, households were large, larger groups. People dwelt together, they worked together, they lived together, um, and the like, multi-generational uh, and the like. So the household uh, was also benefiting from the mercy of God through the prophet uh, and uh, extended to the widow and her family. Any comments on this section here? Okay, we go on with Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? Very strong words from Elijah. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Okay. Uh, a lot is in this section here. Um, does this remind you of any other accounts in the Bible? A dead son, a widow, a widow of name. Uh, you have the... the 
one where the daughter dies, uh, and Talitha Kumi, was Talitha? Okay. You know, the, a little child rise. Jesus went up, with the, uh, told the people to leave. Uh, was laughed at, but he said, child sleeps, and he goes up and he raises a child. Um, and so we, we see in Elijah a picture, you know, heading forward to see, to, we might see Christ here. And so, yeah, this, so this story, although uh, it's, you know, wonderful with Elijah, it points forward. It's a, a story that elucidates what happens when Christ himself does it. <coughs> um, um, but notice what she says to him. What have I to do with you, O man of God? That you would um, sing, bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son. I think this is rather, okay, after these things. So after he provided, you know, what did she say when she met him? We're ready to die. We're ready to die. And so... Um, now he provides food for them, you know, the bread, and they're getting along and for the whole household. He gets sick, and she accu- comes back and accuses him. You came to kill us. You know, so, you, so what do you see? You see she believed, and she didn't believe. You know, she trusted and didn't trust. Who does that sound like? What? Peter, you have a mirror? Sounds like Joseph. Sounds like me. We trust and we doubt. We trust and we doubt. And so this, she, we see in this woman us. This is who we are. God provides and sustains us for what we have. And, uh, and yet bad things do happen and come to, into our lives. Uh, and uh, so yet she... Um, she sees what's happening as a called her sin. Now, the thing is interesting. Do you know a son who died, and when that son died, would bring someone's sin to light and remembrance? Who had a son that died but wasn't raised? David. Okay. So when that son died, it was a reminder of his sin. Okay. And so uh, she, you know... Uh, expresses the same thing, that his death is a kind of her sin. And Elijah says, give me your son. And he took, her, took, him, took, her out of the, took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room. Here we have a picture of an upper room uh, going on. Um, uh, and what does he do? He prays to the Lord, but not only he stretches out upon him and prays. Uh, he does, in verse 20, he says, why are you doing this by killing her son? So he's expressing that the Lord is the Lord of life and that. And um, so we see here that his prayer, and he did this three times, very significant, the number three, number of the Trinity, number of Godhead. Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And with like the widow of name, he touched the coffin carers and the, the beer they call it and, and the child, the young man arose and here the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived and what does Elijah do with the child? Bring him back. Give him back. I read something 
I was reading a commentary on, I think it was Melanchthon, one of the early Luther commented that, he, that this child then followed, became a prophet too, you know, like a follower of Elijah. There's no evidence of that, but uh, I mean, you get your life back, I guess you're pretty, you know, you like the person, you, they give you your life back, so, yeah, but he gave us, and see your son lives. And then, but notice her response here. She had been fed from this small amount of flour and oil, her whole household. I mean, you, you know how much it take to feed these rascals? Not a little flour, a little oil, you know. And, um, and so she had done, he had done this for her, and now, she says, by the resurrection, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true or is the truth. So here, um, and this is for us as well, that how do we know that Jesus forgave your sins? How do you know it? What is the proof, the evidence that your sins are forgiven? The wages of sin is death. Sins are forgiven because Jesus rose from the dead. So the resurrection is for us the proof that what Jesus did on Good Friday is valid. And we, uh, this is where you know, the confusion in, in modern, American, modern Christianity, the emphasis on Easter. But Easter is only the fulfillment of Good Friday. There could be no Easter unless there was Good Friday. Because in Good Friday, there's the death, there's the forgiveness of sins, and on Easter is the evidence that your sins are forgiven. That's why we can sing, Alleluia, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, my sins are forgiven. And also, the, the importance here that uh, she does write the resurrection, it's not unlike us as well. Any comments, questions, additional thoughts on that? Joseph. Saying that there is no resurrection. You know, they were talking about how prophets have died, their fathers have died. Well, it was Sadducees. Sadducees, okay. okay. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, Jesus showed the proof that there is no mm -hmm. resurrection. Right. With the uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, he's the God of the living, not the dead. Okay. So, any other comments or questions? I'm going to. Susan. <laughs> yeah. Because the widows are, I mean, everything you hear about widows, they're the ones who don't have anything. They're the mm -hmm. ones who need to be taken care of. So go to a widow to provide for you? That's about as dumb as No. Yeah, but I look at it, I should maybe look that up. It says command. I have commanded the ravens. I have commanded. How did he command? I mean, the ravens, he just directed them. How did he uh, command this widow? What did... Uh, Well, I mean, she does. The Lord commanded her, like, even though she doesn't believe that, even though she doesn't know that, he commanded her to do it, and she did. Mm -hmm. And she came to then trust in him over time. 
I mean, verse 12, she, as the Lord your God lives. I mean, so she used the word Lord, which is um, uh, the uh, intimate term, a covenant term for uh, God with Israel. Uh, Yahweh, Jehovah, that. And, um, and uh, the Lord your God. The thing is interesting about also that. What does Elijah's name mean? Eli is the shortened frame of Elohimai, which is my God. So Eli means my God. And Yah, what's Yah short for? Yahweh. Yahweh, the Lord. So my God is the Lord. And she says, the Lord, your God. So I mean, she's actually, you know, his, his name is incorporated in this response. Um, is here, so I think this, it's very interesting. But she identifies uh, that her God is a living God, or his God is a living God, in her confession of faith, and um, and receives that. I'm going to read the summary here from uh, that, and we'll see how we are. Okay, Ahab was one of Israel's kings during the period of the divided kingdom. He forsook the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and married an idol-worshipping woman from the land of Sidon, Phoenicia. Ahab and Jezebel brought the worship of Baal and other false gods into the land of Israel and set up many high places for the worship of these false gods. Idols and false gods are really images that man builds for himself, which he then uses to follow his own selfish desires and appetites. That's when they, gods are made it's a God after our own hearts. You know, we... Uh, Look at how people, in our, they have their gods in our world today. And I mentioned the woke, they've decided this is how it's going to be, you know. And so they're worshiping that. Uh, so they create a god of their own desires. And that's what uh, idol worship is, to follow their own selfish desires and appetites. The real idol is how man worships himself, his mind, his reasoning, his emotions, his wealth, his toys, his accomplishments, his lusts, and his Appetites. It's always centered, self-centered and is behind all sin. Through Ahab's leadership, the entire kingdom of Israel was led into idolatry and rebellion against the Lord. There were a few who worshipped the Lord faithfully. The Lord's anger burned against Ahab and the children of Israel at, as the conclusion of the Ten Commandments warned. The prophet Elijah, whose name means, uh, my God is the Lord or the Lord is God, was called by God to proclaim a drought over the whole land as his judgment against their idolatry. Elijah preached repentance and called the people back to the salvation of the Lord. Only at Elijah's word would there be rain again in the land. Few heeded Elijah's preaching, and King Ahab wanted to kill him for it. We'll pick that up in next week's uh, reading. The Lord sustained Elijah in the wilderness near the brook Cherith by ravens that brought him food. When the brook dried up, the Lord sent Elijah to the same country from which Jezebel had come. He was to proclaim the word of God to a widow there and to show that God's salvation through the promise to Abraham was for all nations. And I think that's something the Pharisees and scribes forgot later that they thought salvation was for the Jews. It was from the Jews, to the world. The Lord sustained Elijah 
in the home of this widow. Trouble came upon the widow of Zarephath in spite of Elijah's vision. And her only son died. In her grief, she believed that the prophet had come to punish and condemn her for her sin. The Lord raised the widow's son as a sign to her that the Lord brings salvation and life to sinners through the suffering, through suffering and death. Had she not come to believe in her sin, she would not have come to believe that the Lord was God and the only Savior from sin. By this miracle, the Lord's word was vindicated. Any other comments, observations you'd like to bring? Wally. I, I, I'd, have to think, I'd have to think about that to make that. And corresponding to the idea that the, the brook that was dry was drying up, mm-hmm. there was also the, 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 the God's word drying up uh, from, the, from the land. I'm not going to go that far. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, the raven. I think when I think of ravens, I was thinking of Noah sending out the ravens from the ark. That's what I was thinking of there. And uh, the ravens aren't really nice. You know, they're. Scavengers. Yes, Pat. My, my study Bible says that um, the, the condition of the food in that is God's way of um, reminding the hearer and reader that He is the true provider of food. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's who sustains us in our pilgrimage. And this is where I talk about it's not just earthly food that's it's the earthly sustenance only points out how much more important is the eternal sustenance. It's only there. Uh, so yeah, that is true. The, that he does provide, like he did the manna in the wilderness, Jesus the feeding of the 4,000 and 5,000. The Lord provides all that. Philip and then John? Did you have a question? Oh, you're just stretching. Okay. Yeah, okay. 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 The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.